or in this meditation, let's um, work a bit with the difficult person in your life. I'm just trying which of the different uh, methods of reframing or lojong is uh, meaningful for you. So let's slide again into present moment awareness, dropping into the body, softening the belly and the shoulders. <coughs> Shifting from the head into the body, unhooking from thoughts. Noticing the liveness of the breath. And then connect with a difficult person in your life. Within the space of your awareness. This person appears in front of you. You say quietly, silently, his or her name. And recalling a situation or situations where the hurt or the reactivity was particularly strong and noticing it into your body in your body how does it feel you hear the voice of the person play some of the stories you have around that person and while you do that you also notice that this is something arising within awareness, it's something you do, it's something you create through memories. Just notice that you have the capacity to make yourself miserable. with something which is not here.
and then we gently try to do some reframing and the first one is this is a human being with feeling feelings just like me person with buddha nature and this person wants to be happy and avoids to suffer just like me This is a person with feeling, a human being with feeling, just with feelings, just like me. And all this person does is to try to be happy. with that person. Second point, this person was a baby, just like me, the potential to give love and receive love, just like me. See if you can see the face of the baby, the face of the child in that person. Just notice what happens in your body. The third point is, this person is wounded, hurt, just like me. And his or her violence, her inappropriate behavior, comes from the hurt parts of that person, comes from the traumatized child in that person, just like in me. Just like in me, the behavior of that person is influenced by his or her psychological history.
and it makes this person suffer. Just like you suffer, just like I suffer from the hurt aspects of myself. Connect with the breath and with the body. And just notice if some of this reflection have the potential for some change within. Maybe you can find your own words and reasons. Another point is that this person is a precious treasure because it gives me the opportunity to grow, to learn, to find genuine compassion with myself and that other person, with those situations. Another point is this person is longing for love, just like me. This person longs for understanding, connection. Just like me. Another point is, just like me, this person will die and struggles, just like me.
giving that person this gift to myself. point is this person has been my mother, my father, my friend, my lover, my child, countless times. What I see right now is just a short part of our journey together. seeing that person is a reflection of my own inner life. And based on these reflections, on this reframing, we shift into a loving-kindness meditation. May you be happy. May you feel loved. May you find peace. May you accept yourself as you are. May you be healed. May you forgive yourself. come home. May you feel safe. And when you stay connected in the felt sense of your body and the aliveness of your body, 
opening your heart to that person does not mean that you spend time with that person. feel how this person accepts your gift. feels to invite this person back into your heart. While you maintain an awareness that all of this is happening within consciousness, within awareness. It's all happening within you. You're working with yourself. of that person and this person leaves blessed and gifted uplifted and you just rest in what is for you
so there's other possibilities. So it's good to be creative there. And then uh, this text uh, is one of the texts uh, some people uh, will read on a daily basis as a kind of reminder so that you're reminded of um, this kind of practice. And if another difficult person comes into your life, uh, you recognize that. And the, the text reminds you, oh, I, how can I relate to this situation in a different way? How can I reframe this situation? And then uh, you will become more skillful in disregard the parts which, uh, the, or the reflections which are not helpful for you right now. And then from uh, from a different perspective, uh, there might be also a different way to relate or to talk or to interact with that person just by a change inside. And maybe the conclusion is uh, I keep a respectful, loving distance distance. So there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But inside you don't have that pain. So initially you don't do that for the other person. The, the other person never needs to know that you love him or her. But if you have to interact with that person and you you have to try it out, yeah. So this is not something you just take for granted. So you have to try it out. So if you are kind of stuck with that person because this person is just the one who sits close to you in the office, uh, then you just notice, and it could it it could last. It could uh, it could take some years. Now that's the beauty in a community, like uh, in a monk's community, you're stuck with these assholes. Every morning you're sitting there, may all beings be happy, singing together in Tibetan. And probably the one you dislike the most is just close to you. You can smell them. And yeah, then you can check. You can check yourself. Are you serious about being a practitioner? So the 
contemplative uh, traditions, the monastic traditions in, in Christianity and Buddhism, they are very aware of this. That, that is the purpose of living in a community like that. It's hard. It's really hard. Usually we can kind of pick out the people we want to spend time with. But in a, in a community like this, where you're com committed to stay, to stay seated, it's really difficult. I guess you all, we all have had this experience that through a shift inside something happens also on the outside. It's, it's kind of magic. Yeah, imagine you are in a conflict with your partner and you're on the way home from work and it starts running the story of the narrative self oh he said this and I said this and I'm right why doesn't he understand me or she yeah. blah 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 and then you come into the flat and there's the conflict and the first word being said the greeting is already wrong <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you do that kind of work on the way home, reframing, reflecting, you're doing that which works for you, and you step into the flat, wow, where's the conflict? How did that happen? That, that your partner got that you did some inner work? How did she know? So these little experiences, they show that really the outside world is a reflection of our inner world. It's not a magic pill and doesn't work at any, uh, any time, but uh, it's, uh, it's worth to try. But there is also the narrative self, which is very strong, which wants to insist that I am right and the other person has to change. The other person has to understand me. The other person is the cause for the conflict. That's what the narrative self tells. So the narrative, uh, the narrative self again and again will say, Stu I'm stupid, I'm not going to do this. I don't want this. I don't want to have the openness inside of my heart. I want to be right. I don't want to offer the victory to her. I want to be the victor. I want to be right. 
because my perspective on the situation is the right perspective. This is how it is. So that is not offering the victory to others. Maybe uh, with the next uh, first uh, offering the victory to others, a good way to start is uh, to recognize the many moments in our life when we don't offer the victory to others. When we want to be right, when we want to convince people, when we want to have the last word, when we want the other person to say particular thing, to apologize, to see how wrong he was, she was, how unjust she was. So that's not offering the victory to other people. So what are other situations where we don't offer the victory to other people? It's this insisting, wanting to be right, being self-righteous, wanting to have the success for ourselves, wanting to be acknowledged for what we did. And then if another person claims success in a team or whatever, then uh, that's horrible for the narrative self. Uh, One example is um, that was uh, many years ago when I attended the first long retreat with Lama Sopa. It was a three-month Vajrasattva retreat in California. And I, I was the director, or the manager of uh, Nalanda Monastery then. And uh, one of the reasons I went to that retreat was, wow, three months with uh, Lama Sopa, for sure I will have the opportunity to talk with them because I'm such an important person. So... Right in the beginning, I, I gave uh, the, the secretary of Lama Sopa my request for an interview. And then days went by and weeks went by. And you could always see uh, who had interviews with Lama Sopa because they were not there in the, in the in the session when he was not present, when he had interviews with people. So you could see, wow, again, two people are missing. They have an interview with Lama Sopa. And they were just, just unimportant people. <laughs> They're just people, some of them first time, first time doing retreat. So that was uh, the inability to offer the victory to others. 
you know, the inability to offer awakening and enlightenment to others. Focusing on, on, my, on my path, on my role. And it was tough. It's really tough. You know, bullying for the attention and for me, wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, wanting to be known. You know, my narrative self wanted to be known. And then about two and a half months <laughs> in that process, I suddenly realized what was happening. As if it doesn't, doesn't matter who awakens first. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If someone awakens, that's me awakening. So I relaxed a bit. And then I tried the practice of rejoicing. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, part of that is um, connected with uh, the psychological history of wanting the attention of Father. Wanting to be seen by father. That's a bad idea to bring that into the relationship to a guru. But it's what what is happening. And a qualified guru will always disappoint that part. It's not the job of the guru to refather yourself. That's something you need to do yourself. And then suddenly, at one point, I completely relaxed around that, and it was so wonderful. It was like, uh, you know, that kind of tension one has in the presence of someone you want to have your attention. It completely fell, fell away, and I could observe kind of with humor, I could observe that in others. <laughs> doing the same. And I did, uh, at the, from that point on, I, I didn't need any personal attention anymore from him. I got it, yeah, but uh, there was no like, <gasps> that kind of desperation. And then on the last day, <laughs> and I, I was leaving to the airport in the evening uh, at the end of the retreat, uh, the secretary gave me a postcard with Lama Sopa. Uh, you know, he had written some answers uh, to, to my question, which basically said, oh, sorry, this you need to figure out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is the best answer from a, from a qualified master. Yeah. Not to make the decisions for you, but to trust 
uh, your innate wisdom. So that was a long time of not offering the victory to others. Yeah? And then the, the liberation of letting that go, let, letting go the agenda of the narrative self. Another um, topic I have been struggling with around this is um, the narrative self has this tendency to claim insights and spiritual experiences and knowledge. So what happens and what happened often was that uh, people took my uh, my uh, my uh, my experience or that what I teach or that what I guide and claim that as theirs and make much more money with it than me writing books and developing programs and uh, and uh, and I know they have been coming to my teachings and to my guided meditations and because I don't have a big, big name they like to mention His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Alan Wallace in their book and I'm missing so that's another place of offering victory to others in a small in a smaller scale it's like you know, helping another person, but wa wanting to be acknowledged for that. Yeah? So if you work with a person, and this person develops in a good way, uh, then wanting to put that onto the ornaments of the narrative self to, uh, you know, to, to shine with how helpful how, how helpful I am, how wise I am. So I don't offer the victory to the other person, to the... And uh, such a relief if one can let go of that, of just, of practicing selfless generosity without uh, without needing to be acknowledged for it without uh, without needing to claim it as a part of your spiritual CV so, for me, this uh, this uh, this verse is about that kind of situations. So, and again, as with the seeing yourself as the lowest of all. So, this uh, this teachings they come from a culture where people don't have this problem of the sense of unworthiness. When they would read the lowest of all, they, it's just not in their heart to think 
of them less than potential Buddhas. So they, they respond to this. They, they, they don't need to have that kind of correction which, I, which we need to make. Yeah? This is not about being a dormant. This is not ab- about seeing yourself as worthless. Yeah? So that's a Western mental sickness that we can read these verses like that. So we always need to have in mind the culture and the way uh, and from where, from which kind, from which kind of worldview uh, these teachings come into a different kind of worldview and a different kind of psychological makeup. So, the, so this is very important. Even from from our kind, from our kind, from our point point of view, this teaching of you know being the lowest of all and offering the victory of others could could even be that um, that we avoid a necessary step of learning to say no and putting boundaries because we are afraid of doing it. So let's say, let's imagine uh, someone who in her life she was not supported in the development of putting boundaries and being loyal to her needs and expressing them. Probably we can all recognize that a little bit in us. And then we get these teachings. And then something in us says, oh, that's wonderful. I'm good at that. I'm good at that, at being the lowest at all and offering the victory to others. And I'm shit scared to say no and put boundaries. But fortunately, I don't need to do that. That's called spiritual bypassing. So it's bypassing a healthy psychological development, which would be being able to be loyal to your limits and to your needs and to your boundaries, and kind of jumping over it into an unhealthy offering the victory to others. And being the lowest of all. And feeling, wow, that's wonderful. I, and even maybe be seen by others. Oh, she is so boundaryless. <laughs> <laughs> she is so kind. She, she always thinks about others, but it is a call for help. It's an it's a, it's a expression of desperation. So many of us are actually in the in the in a place where uh, where that capacity of saying no and putting boundaries uh, is more important than uh, being nice.
key. So using these verses as reminders, inviting you to check up. Where in my life can I find more space and more inner peace by offering the victory to others? <laughs> 